0: Well, hopefully you're doing well out there this morning. Um, I want you to know that we are today just embarking on a... Oh, thank you, brother. We are uh, embarking on a, a topical sermon this morning. And uh, I want you to know that these topics or anything that I, I ever preach on don't just... They're not, they don't come out of a vacuum. I, I, I'm dealing with things as I preach to you guys. And so whether it be wisdom, whether it be uh, purity, whether it be anything that, 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 that the word is, is saying and that I'm struggling with or I'm trying to learn, that's how these things are developed. So I want you to know that I'm, I'm in this with you to, together, that I don't have it all together as I'm preaching these things to you, that I'm working through Everything that I've ever said to you, um, and and I need your help, and you need mine as we go through this journey together. Amen. Amen. And um, so that's that's important for you to know. That's important for you to know. The title of of the sermon this morning is is how to live content. How many of you need that contentment? Mm-hmm. That means all the rest of you are in a an excellent place, but let me share with you that even though you may not be discontent now, you will at some point in your journey, because that's just how life will treat you. It will cause you, even with the strength of the Lord, to be discontent because of what? Sin. Because of sin. So I want to I ask you a question in, in, in light of the, the title this morning. Do you find yourself thinking... In ways like these. Because I know I do. I know I do. Life would be better if I had what I wanted when I wanted it. Life would just be better if I had what I wanted when I wanted it. Or, Or are we constantly craving more even if God has already provided? A nagging ungratefulness that things could be a little better. If only... I made more money. Have you thought about that? Or had achieved this one thing. If, if my ambitions would only work out, God understands that it's all for his glory. You know how we like to tag that on. You know, it's all about your glory. And we know that it's not all about his glory all the time. If I can tell this thing straight. Um, if I hadn't made that last decision, things would just they would be different. They would would be perfect. So here's the question, beloved. Here's the question. Have we learned to come to grips with life where God has us, where God has us, even if it's based on our poor decisions or unforeseen circumstances? Even if it's our poor decisions and unforeseen circumstances, have we come to grips with that? See, this is what I wrestle with on a regular basis. What I've just described is what it means to be discontent. And I wrestle with discontentment, as all of you do, at some point in your life. And, and there's, a, there's a definition of, of what content means from the scripture and and from other places, but let me give you something. To be free from care because of satisfaction with what is already one's own. To be free from care because of satisfaction with what is already one's own. That's the definition of content. In other words, we should be grateful for what God has given us and not be anxious about what we don't have because what we do have is satisfying enough. That's called God's provision for you and I. That's what that's called. I'll say this up front now, that that true contentment is only found in Jesus Christ. It's only found there. True contentment is only found in Christ. And so that's paramount for, for you and I to keep running through our minds as I preach this morning. That it's only found in Christ. Paul in his letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.8, some of you know this by heart, says, But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Okay, there's the sermon. It's done. We all dressed this morning, and no one appears to be starving. No, no. We thank God that we're all dressed and God has fed us. But, but it's far more than that. It's far more than that. So this morning, I want us to take a look at Philippians. You're not going to turn there yet. Philippians 4, 9 through 13. And we're going to find out what the Bible teaches about contentment. But before I go any further, let me pray. Great God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, because of your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that it's new every morning. We thank you that great is thy faithfulness, Father, not ours. You are faithful to keep your promises to us. And so we bless your name this morning, dear God. I ask, God, that you use my heart to proclaim your word and that father you first and foremost would be glorified my my desire is to is to have people see you glorious and big and and to see you as the giver of contentment and all that i say i want us to rest assured in who you are the person and work of christ and then after that dear god i ask that you change minds and hearts that you that you draw sinners to yourself and that you continually, dear God, feed your people. Utilize me for your glory. May you receive all glory. Let God's people say, thank God. Amen. Uh, Just a short disclaimer. Um, This is, like I said, it's a topical sermon. So a topical sermon is one in which the main divisions are derived from the topic, right? We're talking about contentment, Um, meaning my points, I have four points, are centered around the topic, and the ideas are centered around the topic. But, but for clarification, beloved, all my ideas are found in Scripture. This is not an eisegesis that I'm doing. This is also why I'll be in so many different places. You're, you're saying, well, brother, why are you telling me that? Well, I'm telling you this because we mostly do expository preaching here. And so I just have to make that distinction because some of you might be saying, well, what is going on with the big topic thing? I mean, contentment is a big topic, right? And as I started looking at this, it just started getting bigger and bigger, and my time was getting shorter and shorter. No, but it is a it is a huge subject, and um, it's so good for us to to peer into. So, um, expository and preaching—that is one in which uh, more or less of a, an extended portion of Scripture is interpreted. Emphasis on less. The outline consists of a series of progressive ideas. Okay, like you know, you start. You're in one area, and you just you're just working from one, you know, passage to the next, drawing everything from there. You kind of stay right there. So since we're going to be preaching a topical sermon, I'll be in so many places, but still extracting from the Bible what it means to be content. I just, I wanted to get that out of the way as you listen. And like I said, as you're wondering, why is, why is Doug going to so many different places? Um, so I gave you the, the definition before we prayed on contentment. And here's the, here's the statement. Here's the proposition, beloved. Christ-like contentment is learned. Christ-like contentment is learned. And we're going to see that in the Scripture. And, and there are varying situations in life, wouldn't you agree, that give us the opportunity to learn contentment, aren't there? Uh, we're going to look at Paul's situation a, a little bit here. So, Grab your scripture, grab your Bible, and turn to the scriptures, rather, in Philippians 1. Philippians 1. And actually, before I go to Philippians 1, go to Philippians 4. I'm sorry. I'm a, I know, you're like, okay, already with the turning. Philippians 4. Go to Philippians 4 and verse 9, and we'll, we'll start here to kind of set the, set the tone. In regards to Christ like contentment, is learned. It says, What do you have, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me? Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. They couldn't provide it because they didn't have the opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. He says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He goes on to say, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned, there it is again, the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. In this famed verse for a lot of folks, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, the Philippian church, you guys, Paul is writing to this church. And what's interesting is that he's writing to this church from prison. And he is all about encouraging the saints and giving them joy, if you will. He says, if you read this short epistle, this short book of the Bible, he talks about rejoicing. He says it in the first chapter. Rejoice. He says it in the second chapter. He's all about giving them joy. And so the the paradox here for us is that a man is writing from prison and has great joy. Doesn't that show you that he's content? Think about that. To, to be in prison, you could feel sorry for yourself. Being in prison could, it, it isolates you from others. So you don't, you, you're not able to rub elbows and, and, and actually get the enc- encouragement on a regular basis that you may want. So you know God is providing this type of contentment for him. And so what I want us to look at is Philippians 1 now. Go there, Philippians 1 and verse 12, and we'll... We'll pick it up here. Philippians 1, 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. Mm -hmm. And to all the rest that my what? Imprisonment is for Christ. Like I said, he's in prison, family, because he is advancing the gospel. He is moving the cause of Christ forward. I would like to say that contentment oftentimes, loved ones, is learned in hard times. Contentment is learned in hard times. It's, it's usually not learned when you're on the mountaintop, if you will, of life. Whatever that is for you. I'm not just talking about health and money, but it, it could just be things that are just going well with your soul. And there's, there's, there's a deep contentment there, right? Because, man, I, I just life is just it's just good. He's saying that uh, I'm in prison and things are hard, but I've learned something here. And I would venture to say that none of us in here have been in prison for speaking boldly for Jesus. I don't have a show of hands. Okay, I mean, it, maybe someone has. But so Paul's situation is one that may look bleak, but for him, as we'll see shortly, is of contentment and true joy. It is. And so... Church, my first point, if you're taking notes, and I know you're listening, is contentment is learned by seeing the faithfulness of Christ. Contentment is learned by seeing the faithfulness of Christ. Look at Philippians 1.19. He says this, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. This will turn out for my deliverance, he says. I love that. He says, I know that through your prayers, the prayers of the saints, praying for one another. He says, and the help of who? The spirit of Jesus. He's looking to get out and he says, I need the prayers of the saints. But even more importantly, the spirit of Jesus is helping me. And he's going to help me to be delivered. I, you know he's saved. We're talking about Paul. So this is a deliverance from jail so that he can actually go and be with the people. This is beautiful. Listen, when we are absolutely convinced that the prayers of the saints and the spirit of Jesus is our help, that produces in us contentment. Let me say that again. When we are absolutely convinced that the prayers of the saints and the spirit of Jesus is our help, that produces in us contentment. That's the reason why we gather on every other Wednesday. To pray with one another, to rub elbows in the spirit, right, and have Jesus be with us, that's, that's a form of contentment. The reason why some of, us, some of us are not as content as we should be because we have not assembled how we need to. Am I touching on some toes right now? See, because I want us to grow up and be mature in the things of God and have the contentment that is planned for each and every one of us. And this, see, this is a letter of joy. He's like, I, I want you to be filled with joy. I want you to have this contentment. But it, but it comes with a price of sacrifice. So he says, it's through the means of prayer. It's through the means of prayers, beloved, which focuses our attention on the Lord himself. And if that wasn't enough, like I said, Paul says the spirit of Jesus will help us. Isn't it beautiful that Jesus Christ is making intercession for us. Have you ever thought about that when we're praying? That is, that is beautiful. That my prayers may not, I may not get it right, and I don't oftentimes, but the spirit of Jesus is making intercession for you and I. Get a hold of that, beloved. This should fuel your, your, your heart and, your, and enlarge it for Jesus Christ and cause you a great contentment. Because I'm going to tell you, if you look around in our society, we all know what's going on. There's great confusion and discontent, is it not? Due to sin. We need this. We need this. So, that is the faithfulness of Christ. Contentment is learned by seeing Christ as faithful. The spirit of Jesus is faithful there. In 2 Corinthians 1, 7 through 11, you don't have to turn there. Paul's situation was rough, but it produced a dependence on God, which I believe will give the child of God great contentment, but also great hope. Second Corinthians. Let me go there. And it's Second Corinthians one. And just listen to this here. Second Corinthians one, seven through 11. He says, our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, here's Paul again, suffering, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. Have you ever been there? We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Think about that. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, he says. Now this is beautiful. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, church, but on God. Who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You see how you see how Paul places his contentment in in Jesus Christ? He says, He will deliver us again and again and again and again. If he saved you, he's gonna deliver you. If he saved you, he's gonna give you deep contentment. That's a part of it, that's a part of your salvation. And it's beautiful. I love that. Because without that, I I can't move on. See, um, I just got some news at work, right? Um, Sitting on the phone on a Thursday and the CEO of the company or VP of the company called and said, Hey, listen, um, there was no better way to say this, but uh, 233 of you guys will be laid off. Now, by God's grace, I wasn't a part of that 233, but listen, because God has given me a heart to actually bear the burden and shoulder concern for other people, my heart broke because I know what it means not to have a job. Can you imagine the discontent that rushed into the hearts and minds of people when they hear that their benefits have left them? Do you see why it's so important to understand the contentment of Christ and that God is the provider of everything? Because, see, without Christ, where do you go when you hear that kind of news? Are you hearing me? Where do you go when you hear that kind of news? How how do you muster yourself up when you hear that kind of news? See, but this is what I did quietly. No one knows I'm beginning to intercede for people who may not even know our Savior. See, that is the power that God has given each and every believer. Do you know, see, people will find jobs. Why? Because my Lord will help them. Woo, that's heavy. They don't know Jesus, but my Lord will help them. Had a man who didn't, doesn't know the Lord. He said, uh, he was crying when he heard the news. A manager. I sent, I sent him a text, right? I said, listen, I'm praying that my God will supply your needs. He said, he said I needed to hear that so much contentment. Am I, am I hitting you somewhere this morning? So that's the type of God that we serve. That's a faithful Christ. Do you get it? Oh, I hope you're getting this. Because, see, this is what helps me when I begin to wrestle with that, that introduction, when when, you know, when the job is just not doing enough. When I'm just not making enough, when things are just not, my, my soul, my, all, my, all, all my idiosyncrasies are just, just not, everything's just not working out to Doug's favor. I have to wrestle with this and I say, man, why am I so discontent and how do I become content? I run to the scriptures, not trying to understand them out of context, but in context to see what is going on with Paul here. He's in prison. Doug, are you in prison? He's writing letters and saying, rejoice. He's saying in in Philippians 2, oh man, be an imitator of me. I'm like, okay, Lord. Okay, which leads to my second point. Contentment is learned through imitation. Contentment is learned through imitation. I'm talking about life lessons here, saints of God. Those of you who have children understand this, right? But it can also be understood by all of us. Children learn the most from what we do. Not what we say. See, your wife and your husband, they know who you really are, not because you tell them that you love them, but because you carry out the very words that you're telling them. We learn that way. And I love the fact that the Bible puts it in there for us so that we can follow this very instruction. So, children, as you know, they they love imitating us, don't they? Talking like us, don't they? Even their reasoning is shaped by us. They see us and they say, oh, how is mom and dad? How are they processing that situation? And don't you know we're teaching all the time? And they're imitating all the time. That's why why Paul says, join with me in imitating Jesus Christ. And we'll see that here. So go back to Philippians 4.9. Go back to Philippians 4.9. And, and, and we'll pick it up. He says, what you have learned, hear me now, and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And then what happens? The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. What Paul is essentially saying, beloved, is that his entire life has been laid before those people in Philippi, right? And he's taught them the truth of scripture and he's lived godly before them. He says what you have learned, what you have heard, what you have seen. He says practice. And I think the key word in that verse is practice. Oh, man, we got some practicing to do. We got some practicing to do. Listen, church, contentment won't be a reality unless we commit to it. It, You just don't wake up in the morning because you're a Christian. You just get out the bed. I'm contented. No. No. We have to practice. That's what the Bible says. I tried to look that all up in the Greek and the this and the that, and I said, oh, man, it just means practice. (laughs) Is there's not another meaning, I almost got on the phone and called Phil up. I said, no, that's that's not necessary. (laughs) Practice. Practice. How does anyone become better at anything, right? By practicing. The beautiful thing, though, church, about practicing the truth of Scripture is that God doesn't leave you by yourself. Ooh, this is getting good. I think it's better from my side that, that God doesn't leave you by yourself. And see, the reason why I get excited about God's word is because this is what happens through study. But this is what happens behind the door, uh, behind closed doors when I'm discontent and I'm trying to train you and teach you that this is what you have to do. You have to go to the Bible and you have to say, God, I'm I'm, I'm concerned. And you start seeing all these wonderful truths. And then, listen, your discontent starts becoming content. You start seeing it off the page like, oh, okay, Jesus, it's not that bad. Jesus, you died for my sins. Jesus, you've set me. Okay, Jesus, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus, I've been bought with the price. Jesus, if I if you had not delivered me, I wouldn't even be able to understand your word right now. And your contentment begins to well up in your mind because of the truth of Scripture. And so, and so back to the, the imitation here, the practice rather. You know, we like I said, the beautiful thing about it is that we don't have to, to do it all by ourselves, right? Turn over to Philippians 3.17. And, and listen, and listen to, to Brother Paul. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. That leaves none of us out. That means that our lives have to be godly and holy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That means that we actually have to have our eyes on one another. So it's not just an elder or a pastor or a preacher, but it's each and every one of you who call on the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord. I'm to look at you and to say, "Okay, that's how I that's how I walk the walk of Jesus Christ. And this is how I'm learning how to be content. Brother or sister, what what have you done this week? See, that's that's what's happening here. That's what's happening here. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Listen, so much of our discontentment church is that we follow the wrong examples. We follow the wrong examples. I'm not mad at Instagram. There's, there's uh, Christians on that or our Facebook. But sometimes we just follow too many things that are just not good for us. We're looking at things and listening to things and it's causing you and I to become discontent. And we need to change our focus around. Can I get an amen up in here? See, see. See, God says, listen, I, I, I need you to join me, brothers, and follow the examples of, of Christ's likeness Christians, we should be the best examples in the world. We should be the best examples in the world. Because we, why? We follow a holy and a righteous and a just God. Who has saved us, who has given us a new nature. Our society cannot dictate to us what true contentment is, beloved. If we look at them, we will go astray. You can see it already. They don't know how to be content. I mean, you cannot pass a law for racism. If we could just get more cops and get more people and work this thing up and we can just change people's hearts and only Jesus Christ can do that. You know that as a believer. Isn't that a beautiful enlightenment from the Lord himself? that you can peer out and say, oh, I can see what their problem is. They need Jesus. It's it's about that simple. It's about that simple. Now, we might die for that, (laughs) but (laughs) it is that simple. (laughs) So, the child of God should be the most content content person, as I said, based on the truth of Scripture and the various helps of grace that the Lord provides. Namely, his word, prayer, and the people of God. It's, it's that basic. But we have to do that. We have to practice it. That is our fundamental responsibility as Christians. His word, prayer, and the people of God. Isn't that good? He doesn't make it complicated. He says, read about me, know of me. He said, call upon my name. And he said, fellowship with the saints so that you can actually learn how to follow me. Oh, I'm like, God, you've done this. I don't deserve this, but you've allowed me to. Listen, I mean, I got all new family in here. See, if the world could understand that God is the creator of all race and all of that. I mean, we're all different, but God is all glorious and we can love one another in our different skin colors because we understand who the creator is we have a new family and we're glad in him that's why this letter was written to the philippian church to encourage them to continue on with the gospel and don't let anything shake you be content in what you have in jesus christ that is the point that is the point turn to 1 corinthians 4:16 1 Corinthians 4.16. Paul tells the Corinthians, if you're there, I urge you then, be imitators of me. He says, that is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child, in the Lord, to remind you, to remind you of my ways, in who? In Christ. In Christ. Yes, I, I need to be around you so that you can remind me of how Jesus Christ looks. So that means if we're not doing it right, we need to repent of sin and get right because I need you to understand how to put feet to my faith. He says, as I teach them everywhere in every church, and, and this is so important what I'm about to say, that imitation requires obedience. Obedience. Let me say that again. Imitation requires obedience. We will never have the contentment of God living in direct disobedience to the scripture. It cannot happen. It's an oxymoron. It doesn't work together. You have to be obedient to the scripture in order to have the contentment of God. Look at Philippians. Go back there. 2. Philippians 2. And, and I find myself here, and, but once I change my mind to obey God, it's a whole new reality for me, if you will. Philippians 2.14, it says this, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world how much do we need to do that? Obedience, do all things without what? Grumbling or questioning who God is in your life in the condition that he's placed you in. That's what I find myself being discontented in. I'm grumbling against God. It's it's, it's not my employer. It's, It's the grumbling against God. Do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent. Why? I'm a child of God. You are a child of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And we have that twisted and crooked generation right now. Oh, it's it's, it's right before us. Among what? Among whom you shine as lights in the world. That is our responsibility. That is our responsibility, but it requires obedience to that. So listen, I cannot grumble, I cannot complain and expect to be a light that shines. Does that make sense? You can't, we can't do that. We can't, I'm grumbling and complaining, but I'm going to tell you about Jesus. It doesn't work. They're like, your Jesus is not doing a good job. And our Jesus always does an excellent job because he's perfect. So it must be something wrong with me, not with him. That's why he says, get it together. Stop grumbling, Douglas. Stop questioning who I am in your life, the providence, the place that I put you in. See, this is why Paul can get to First, I mean, Philippians 4 and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, he learned something there. That's what this whole thing is about, learning. Learning contentment. You cannot, like I said, we can't just wake up in the morning and become content. We have to practice these things until we get to glory. I know you're tired. I am too. I agree with uh, Brother Ernie last week or the week before, whenever he preached, said, listen, when I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to be so glad that I'm not coveting somebody else's stuff, <laughs> that I will just be totally content. It doesn't matter if Brother Ron over here is living where, whatever he's doing, he could be chilling with Jesus. I'm like, man, I won't even care. I mean, I'll care, but I won't care. You know what I mean? I won't be like, you get Jesus this time. I don't know. It won't be none of that. I'll be like, I am thankful to, my. I am so grateful my mind is set free. It's totally pure. Can you imagine that? Not an agitation in your mind. Not a frustration and with a new body. Yeah, I heard some yeses on that one. I digress. Um, But We need to be obedient to the word of God. That is my point. Do all things without grumbling or complaining. My third point is this contentment is learned through weakness. I know we didn't want to hear that one, but it was coming, it's in the Bible. Contentment is learned through weakness. The only way we can be content in any and every circumstance is to value our place of weakness. Is to value our place of weakness. Do you value that you are weak and not strong as you think you are? And be dependent on the Lord. That's why Paul says I can do all things. That's why he was able to say that. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? How can you do that, Paul? How is contentment learned through weakness? How do you do that, Paul? Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. So you know the, you know the story of the, the vision and the thorn and how... That thorn had to to be there, verse 7, to keep him from becoming conceited. Conceit, puffed up, heady. He says in verse 8, I'll start there. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. Have you thought about this in your condition right now? Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. That thorn he's talking about, that messenger of Satan he's speaking of. But he said to me, meaning God, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace, Paul, is sufficient for you. He says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He says, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast, that word means to glory in Jesus, to rejoice all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Why, Paul? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He was so consumed with the power of Christ. I am nowhere near that. I want to be consumed with the power of Christ, that it would rest upon me. That's why our contentment, can you see it here, church? It's all about Christ. He says, for the sake of Christ, then, what? Here's our word. This is our our sermon. This is our theme. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. Not only that, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul understood that weakness means a dependence on Jesus Christ alone. And that's why he can go through every hardship and insult and persecution because he understood that God had to keep him abased and dependent on on Jesus. When you're low, hopefully that's where we should be looking, high. To the Lord, Lord, strengthen me. Lord, strengthen me. God's power, God's power. Listen to First Chronicles. You don't have to turn there. 29, 11, and 12. Listen to how David describes our, our God. He says, yours, O God, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. Listen to that. In your hand, in God's hand, his providential hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. So that when we are weak, we can ask God, help me be strong in my weakness. And God says, yes, I will do that son or daughter. Because that speaks of my character. See, we serve a good and a holy God who loves us just like this. This is our God who gives us the contentment that we need. This is why our plea to those who don't have Christ should be of a serious sort. All the despair and confusion. We should be saying, listen, you can have contentment. You can open up a gospel conversation that way alone. Contentment is found in Christ, it's not found in the news, what you're seeing, brother or sister really? No, if they get, if the right would listen, you know, to the left or left to the right, nah. That's not going to do it. Family, it's not that difficulties in and of themselves give us contentment. It's not. It's not that, that difficulties in and of themselves gives us contentment. You're probably thinking, well, I know that. No, no, no. It's how we respond in our weakness. It's how we respond in our weakness. If we respond by trusting in the Lord, contentment is ours. It's ours for the taking. It's ours. It will be automatically given to us if we respond by trusting in Jesus. Jesus says, hey, the floodgates are yours. It's, It's yours. Remember in Philippians 4 9, he says, practice following the God of peace and he will be with us. I like the way John MacArthur put it. He put it this way. He says, this is good. When difficult times came to Paul, and this is where we need to find ourselves. When difficult times came to Paul, he remained content because he was satisfied with little. How many of you are satisfied with little? Like I said, it's, it's, it's easy to be satisfied with a lot. You, you've, you're full. I mean, after I eat, let me not go there because some of y'all are hungry. But listen, you get the picture. When God sat, when, you, when you're satisfied, when you're full, he says, I like that. That quote from Johnny Mac, that's what I call him. He probably wouldn't appreciate that. Doctor after his name and all that. He remained content because he was satisfied with little. That's what we need to learn, church. Put another way, put another way, listen to this proverb. I know you guys have heard it before, but it's a, it's a good reminder of truth. Proverbs 30, Proverbs 37 and 8, it says this, two things I ask of you. I love this. Deny them not to me before I die. This should be your heart and my heart. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Make me holy, Lord. Create in me a clean heart, O God. That's how David put it. Remove far from me lying and falsehood. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Oh, I don't want to have an overabundance and I don't want to have too little. Keep me balanced. Keep me content. Are you hearing that? He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Our father, which art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Are you hearing the scriptures? That is beautiful. Listen, he says, feed me with food that is needful for me. Don't give me more than I need, lest I be full and deny you. And say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and begin to steal and profane the name of the Lord. See, that type of heart loved ones produces contentment, doesn't it? Keep me balanced in you, Lord. Keep me balanced. Don't give me too much. Don't give me too little. That's what Paul is saying back in Philippians. I've learned, listen, not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, right? And I know how to abound, Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full, full in you, Jesus Christ, and to be hungry. He's talking about physical food there. Okay, both to abound and to suffer need. That's that that's that proverb I'm seeing there. Don't give me more than I need. Don't give me too little. Listen to what Job says in Job 23 and 12. Job says, I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. So I have not gone away from your commandments. I have treasured the words of his mouth. The, the, The scriptures mean more to me than even eating. Why? Because in this, I know God will supply all of my needs. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Are we starting to understand the essence of commitment? The essence of commitment. God, you are my provider. As long as I have you, I have all that I need. And because I have you, I know that you'll take care of me. I'm content in that. I'm content in that. Point number four It's our final point. Contentment is learned in valuing Christ above everything. Contentment is learned in valuing Christ above everything. Go back to Philippians 3, 8. And in here, Paul, listen to this. He says in Philippians 3, verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You know what's going on here in Philippians 3, 8, when he makes that statement? Paul is saying that what I used to think was important, found in verses 4 through 7, his, his pedigree, his heritage, right? What, what, what use, you know, he was, he was steeped in that. He now knows that the righteousness of Christ is far more important the righteousness of Christ is far more important that comes by faith. He understands that it's not about legalism and the law in that respect. And, and, and he says, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. We find our contentment, beloved, in Christ. And I'm not saying that we don't try and get help. That's not what we're talking about. Actually, we do from one another and from Jesus Christ himself. Um, contentment is different than complacency. I hope you understand that. It doesn't mean that if, you, if you've lost something, a home, a job, you're working on your marriage, whatever you, wherever you're at in life, that you don't try to fix that thing and work it out. That would be foolishness. But what I'm saying is that we do it through the lens of Scripture and the dependence on Jesus Christ. And if things don't work out our way, we say, Lord, I'm standing still in you. I'm firm believing that you will supply all that I need, even if right now it's pain that you're providing. And I started this out by saying, listen, I'm in this with you together. I vacillate in this. I get strong for a moment and then I'm weak for more moments. So I have to preach to myself as I'm preaching to you, right? So I think our perspective needs to be eternal. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4:17. Um that's what needs to happen. Our our perspective needs to be eternal. It says for these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We don't see Jesus, but the Spirit of God lives lives in each and every one of his children. And we have his word. And that is our great comfort. I'll close, beloved, with this, with an encouraging word of hope and confidence in Scripture that that should enlarge your heart and provide, continue to, provide comfort. It's found in Hebrews. It's Hebrews 13, where he says this, the the writer to the Hebrews, keep your life free from the love of money. That's that's good. (laughs) Love God over money. Keep your life free from the love of money and be what? Content with what you have. This is one of the verses that I go to over and over as discontentment swell up and be content with what you have. Whatever you have for me, God, whatever you've given me providentially, whatever, be content with what you have. For he has said, this is so comforting, I will never leave you. I will never leave you, child, my daughter, my son, nor forsake you. Since he will never leave us, beloved, verse six makes that much more sense. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear What can man do to me? Man can't do anything to me because God, you're my helper. God, you said you'll never leave me nor forsake me. That's your love. It's been shown on the cross. I can look to the scriptures and see that you've delivered me from the bondage of sin and death. And that is my contentment. And for those of you today who have not repented of your sin. Under the preaching of my voice of from the word of God. If you've not repented of your sin and and placed your trust in Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity to do that now in the quietness of your own mind. Don't let another moment, another day go by without knowing the God of peace, the God of true contentment. Repent and you will be saved. Repent and you will be saved. Let's pray. Great God in heaven, we bless your name because your word is good And you teach us what true contentment is. If it had not been for you, we would be confused and we would be discontented all our lives. But thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus Christ to rescue us from sin. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Let all God's people say thank God. Amen. Amen.